0: Blessings in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus Christ. This is Brother James from True Church, False Church, and I want to continue the message, Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mysterious gospel, the mis- the mystery that was hidden from ages and was revealed to the apostles and to the prophets immediately after Jesus' death and resurrection. And that mystery was Christ in you the hope of glory part of that mystery is is not only that Christ that God would come and live in us his creation but that it was also for the Gentiles it was also for the other nations not just for the Jews so let's go back to Colossians chapter 1 and we will um, pick up we'll start off with verse 27 Colossians chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. So there we see that the mystery is Christ in you, who is the hope of glory, and that he was laboring, that he may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So just has many things in life, but more so in the scriptures have two sides. You see that God has his side in which he does what we cannot do. And he does what only he can do. And he doesn't call us to do what only he can do. But then there's man's side. So God could, or let me say this, Adam could not create animals or a helpmate for him. But God did. God created him animals that he had created to be helpmates for Adam and he then turned to Adam and told or gave Adam the command to name them so God did what Adam could not do and that is create but then God turns to Adam and gives him a task and that was to name all the animals so we see that and that is a consistent theme through the scriptures God does what only God can do that's what makes him God But then he calls us and he gives us a responsibility. So there's two sides to everything that we see in scriptures, uh, in the scriptures, but also in this amazing gospel where God, he does what only he can do. And that is that he pays for the sins of the world by sending his only begotten son, something we could not do. And then he comes and he lives and dwells within us. But then there's that other side of it that we are in Jesus Christ. Um, I believe in my last lesson on, on Christ and you, the hope of glory, this is going to be part two. But in part one, I referenced John 15 where Jesus gives a command and then a promise that follows that command. And that command in John 15 is abide in me. And then the promise follows that and that is and I in you. So we have a command to abide in Christ. And then Christ will abide in us. So there you see the two sides of it. And even here in Colossians 1:27 through 29, we see that Christ is in us. The hope of glory. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the creator of all things, comes and lives and moves and has his being in us. We become his tabernacle. We become the temple of the Holy Ghost. And Paul was laboring that he may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, as I present this message, Christ in you, part two, as I present this, I want to present it as clear as the scriptures make it. Because I want every single one of you, including myself, to have this this hope, this faith, that there is nothing impossible with God. There is nothing impossible with God, and there is nothing impossible for those that believe, and there is nothing impossible for for those that come to God through Jesus Christ. Far too often we hear men, they'll preach a message of of, of repentance and, and holiness and living unto God, but then they follow it up by saying, well, nobody will do it perfect or no one's perfect, but they don't get that from Jesus. They don't get that from Peter, James, John, Jude, the apostle Paul. They don't get that. Here we see Paul clearly saying that Christ is in you, the hope of glory, And he goes on in verse 28 and says, Whom we preach. So who was he preaching? Christ. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. He wasn't going around calling people to, to repentance and faith in Christ so they can experience Christ coming and living in them and then telling them that they'll never be able to live perfect unto God through Jesus Christ. He was laboring so that he may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And if there is any chance, if there is any possibility for Christian fullness, Christian completeness, Christian holiness, and Christian perfection, it is found in Jesus Christ alone. It is not found In men, it is not found in religious institutions. It is not found in your own efforts of fasting and praying and studying the scriptures and depriving yourself of sleep, of food, or any of these things. It is found in one person and only one person. That is the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who didn't die so that we can continue in our sins. He didn't die and come and rise up and live within us so that we can continue to rebel against God willfully. He came to live in us so that we can be a living sacrifice unto God, which is holy and pleasing unto God. He's come to set us as captives. They were captive to sin, captive to Satan, captive to this world, and captive to our own flesh. The greatest enemy, I believe, is our own flesh. But He came to set us captive. He came to set us free, to deliver us. He came as a deliverer. He came to translate us, to take us out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of Satan and under that rule and under that influence and to bring us on into his very kingdom. He came to shed his blood and with his blood, he redeemed us. He purchased us back unto himself, beloved. He came and shed his blood to purchase us back unto himself not so that we can continue in sin or in self. Look, we're here in Colossians, back up to chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 12, Colossians 1:12, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of saints in light, Our inheritance, beloved, our inheritance is with saints, that is, holy ones, not with the unholy ones, but with the saints, the holy ones. And they're in light, beloved, not in darkness, they're in light. John tells us in 1 John 1, verse 5, he says, God is light. And in him is no darkness. And if we say that we have fellowship with him but walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. My dear listener, stop listening to men who are telling you that you can be in light and still be in darkness. They're contrary. They're contrary. When there is light, there is no darkness. Darkness is nothing more than the absence of light. So if you're living and walking in darkness, it's a revelation that there's an absence of God in your life because God is light, beloved. God is light. Jesus said he's the light of the world. And then in, the, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said to the church, to us, that we are the light Darkness is nothing more than the manifestation of the absence of light. So if you are in darkness, it is a revelation that God is absent from you. It is a revelation that Christ is not living in you. And that you are not not partaking of the inheritance with the saints who are in light. Verse 13, speaking of God through Christ, who had delivered us, who had delivered us. God is a deliverer. He is a deliverer. He's not a derelict that turns a blind eye to our rebellion. He's a deliverer. If you cry out to God and you want to be delivered from fornication, from pornography, from drugs, from alcohol, from anger, from wrath, from, from hatred, from malice, from jealousy, from covetousness, from idolatry, you name it. If you cry out to God to deliver you, he will deliver you because he is a deliverer. He is mighty to save. And there's nothing too great. There's nothing too big. For the Almighty God. For He alone is Savior. He alone is Deliverer. He alone is God Almighty who has delivered us from the power of darkness. God delivers from the power of darkness. He doesn't just deliver us from darkness he delivers us from the very power of darkness beloved we don't have to walk under the influence under the control under the deception of the power of darkness we've been delivered from the power of darkness that is the true church of jesus christ has been delivered from the power of darkness by god by god not by no religious institution. But by God Almighty, we have been delivered from the power of darkness. And he has translated us, in verse 13 we continue, and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The true church is in the kingdom of the son of his love. We are in the kingdom of the beloved Jesus Christ the son of the living God and we didn't put ourselves there through works we didn't put ourselves there through attendance to an institution or organization but we were placed there by God Almighty who delivered us from the power of darkness you can't be in the kingdom of Jesus Christ until you have first been delivered from the power of darkness First step, you must be delivered from the power of darkness. Second step, you'll be translated into the kingdom of his son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption. In whom we have redemption. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we have redemption. He has redeemed us. How? Through his blood. Through his blood. He redeemed us through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is this Jesus? Verse 15. Who is this Jesus, the Christ that comes and lives in us? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. That's who this Jesus is. He is the very image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. This is the Jesus who's redeemed us. This is the Jesus of whose kingdom we live and dwell in that we're a part of. This is the Jesus that comes and lives and dwells in us. This is the Jesus My beloved brothers and sisters, what I just shared with you is a small taste of the apostolic gospel. And nowhere did you see in here, oh, God loves you, God loves you. Nowhere did you see in here only Him offering forgiveness of sins. He declared... This amazing gospel, this amazing message that only God could perform. He is a deliverer from the power of darkness. He is a translator. He translates us from darkness into the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. He redeems us and he forgives us. So we're no longer in darkness. We're no longer sold on to sin. We've been redeemed. We're no longer condemned by our sin because we've been washed and cleansed and forgiven. And now Christ lives in us. After we've been cleansed, Jesus Christ comes and lives in us. This is the Jesus that comes and lives and dwells in us. This is the Christ in you. This is the faith, beloved. This is the true Christian faith. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is what constitutes every bona fide Christian. Every bona fide Christian. Go with me to the Gospel of John chapter 14. The Gospel of John chapter 14. I believe, I believe that if we humble ourselves before the Almighty God and we acknowledge the very words of Jesus that apart from you, Lord Jesus, I can do nothing And I don't want to be apart from you. I want you to live in me. I want you to dwell mightily within me. I want you to strengthen me in the inner man by your very life. I want to be filled with the fullness of God. I believe that this is our passion, if this is our desire and this is our belief, our trust that God is able to do these things because his word says that he will do these things for us. And if we cast ourselves upon him to do these things and we don't use Human weakness has a crutch. Oh, we can't do it perfectly. No one's perfect. We're always going to sin. You can't find that kind of language come out of the words of uh, out of the mouth of Jesus. You can't find that language come out of the mouth of the Apostle Paul. You can't find that language coming out of the mouth of Peter or James or Jude. You can't find it. John says in 1 John chapter 2, and uh, he says, My little children, I write these things unto you that ye sin not. But if, 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 not when, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the Lord. That's a blessing. Praise the Lord. He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he will will cleanse us. But Jesus wants to do more than just cleanse us. He wants to keep us. He wants to keep us from the power of darkness. He wants to keep us from the power of sin. He wants to keep us from the power of our own flesh. He wants to keep us from the power of this world. He wants to keep us. Has a possession that he purchased for himself. And he doesn't want to share us. Not even with our own selves. God Almighty wants you. You. All of you, all of you, all of your emotions, all of your affections. He wants all of you. Are you willing to give it all to him? Are you willing to give it to your maker? Your savior, your king, your Lord and your God. Are you willing to give it all to him? I pray that you are. I pray that you will. In the gospel of John chapter 14, we'll start in verse 15 to get some context. But these are the words of Jesus, the God man. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. God wants us to be filled with the comforter, that is the Holy Ghost. In verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Beloved, if the world cannot receive the spirit of truth, the comforter, if they can't receive it, do not be deceived. Do not think that you can live and act like the, the world and still receive the spirit of truth. The comforter, you won't, you can't. Because it's only to those that are saints in the light, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ that have been redeemed unto God. That's who the precious Holy Spirit is for. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. You see that? This life that we now live, we live it by the very life of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Jesus now living in us. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. How does he come to us? Through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I live, ye shall live also at that day you shall know that I am and I am in my father and he and me and I in you look at these beautiful promises Jesus says that he's in the father and we are in him and he's in us verse 21 he that hath my commandments and keepeth them he it is that loveth me And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him, reveal myself to him. Beloved, do you see in order to be loved of Jesus and to be loved of the Father and for Jesus to reveal himself to us, we have a command, we have a condition to receive these things. In verse 21, at the beginning is our condition. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. We must love the Lord Jesus Christ, and we prove our love to the Lord Jesus Christ by keeping his commandments, having his commandments, in the depths of our being, and keeping them. That is the evidence that we love him. To continue in sin is to show that we still love sin. To continue in the world is to show that we still love the world. But to cast off, to be crucified unto the world and the world crucified unto you, to be dead to sin, to be freed from sin, to be dead to the law that you may be alive unto God through Jesus Christ, to be dead to your flesh is to to have the capacity of the very life of God through the Spirit, the Spirit of truth living in you, empowering you. That you may have the commandments of Jesus and keep them as precious jewels. And the Father will love us. We're told in Romans 5 the love of God is shed abroad upon our hearts through the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. How does God the Father pour out his love into our very being? Through the Holy Spirit. How is Jesus going to manifest himself to us? Through the Spirit of truth. Verse 22, Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and things all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Beloved, these are precious promises given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God, who cannot lie. Who cannot lie? We need to take Christ at his word. I believe in America, countless people have taken Christ at his word that he's died for them, that he's forgiven them. But that's where we've stopped. And we haven't taken him at his word and all these other vital, important areas that Jesus has repeated and the apostles repeated over and over and over again. And that is Christ in you. That we are the building of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we're the building of God. Paul says that we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus says That he's in us, I in you. We've been given a new life, beloved. And that new life isn't a changed life. It's not a changed life. It's an exchanged life. Let me say that again. This new life is not a changed life. It's an exchanged life we lay down our lives, we die, and Christ resurrects us to the newness of life. And that newness of life is the very life of Christ in us. It's an exchange life. We give him our life of rebellion and sin and worldliness and ungodliness and carnality. We give it unto him. We die with him at the cross and we rise together with him in the power and the strength of his life in us. It's an exchange life, beloved. It's not something that we can conjure up. It's not something that we can work to. It's not something we can purchase. It is something that Christ does in those that come and die with him and rise with him. It's an exchange life. It's a new life. The, the Greek parsing said it this way, it's a new of a different kind of life. Meaning it has no trace of the old. It's the new of a different kind of life. It's the same language that's used for the new covenant. It's the new of a different kind of a covenant. No trace of the old. It's new of a different kind. Let's look at some more passages that talk about Christ being in us. Romans 8:10 Romans 8:10 says, "And if Christ being in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness." So there we see in Romans 8 10, that Christ is in us. But also in verse nine, it says, "'But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, "'if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. "'Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, "'he is none of his. "'And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, "'but the spirit is life because of righteousness. "'But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make your mortal bodies alive by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. He gives us life, newness of life, by His Spirit. By His Spirit, we have Christ living in us through the Holy Spirit. But we're also told, go to First John. First John chapter four. First John 4:12, and I believe in my first message, Christ in you, the hope of glory, part one. I believe I went through verses um, seven, eight, and nine in those in that teaching. Um, so if you're listening to this part, having not listened to the first part, I highly recommend you go back and listen to Christ in you, the hope of glory, which is part one. But here I want to establish that we've already established in various places that Christ lives in us. And then we saw in Romans 8 and in also in John 14 that the Holy Spirit lives in us, the comforter. But look at what the Bible says here in 1 John 4, 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby no we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God God dwelleth in him and he in God verse 16 and we know and we have known and believe The love that God hath to us, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Verse 17. And here is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. Do you see that? here is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. Beloved, I don't know about you, but when I, when I read the New Testament writings, I don't get a picture of weak, sinful human beings crawling on their knees in fear of God saying, oh, I'm just a wretched sinner. Just wretched sinner saved by grace. If it wasn't for you, I, I would have never been saved. I'm a wretch and I remained a wretch even after you saved. No, it says that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. It says that our love can be made perfect here and now. How? By the spirit of Jesus and the spirit of the father, the Holy Spirit, the comforter living and abiding in us. Go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Again, we've looked at passages that talk about Christ in us, but then we also have a command here in verse 28. Um, we'll, We'll actually go to verse 27. It says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. I believe that's speaking of the Holy Spirit. So again, it's talking about the Holy Spirit abiding in us. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, that's the spirit of truth, and is no lie, and even as he has taught you, ye shall abide in him. We have a command to abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear... We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. We can have confidence at the coming of Jesus. We can have boldness at the day of judgment. We don't have to be ashamed. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be many that will be ashamed. The Bible says, or Paul says in 1 Corinthians that, There'll be some whose whose works will be tried and will be tested with fire and they'll all be burnt up and they'll be saved. But though has through fire, they'll be ashamed. They won't have boldness, but we don't have to be like that. You don't have to be like that. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous. You know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. That is an evidence that we are born of him. It is an evidence that his spirit is living and dwelling in us because we are doers of righteousness. We are doers of righteousness. So there in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, 13, 15, and 16, we see that God dwells in us. And one of the evidences of that is our love, our love for God, our love for others. I would say it's love for everything that God loves. We will love because God is living in us. And we have this supernatural ability to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. The psalmist says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Hate evil. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6. Let's go to verse 4. uh, Ephesians 4, 4. We'll start in verse 4. There is one body... And one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Beloved, the Christian faith is allowing God to live in us freely. Unhindered. Letting God to live in you freely unhindered. That's how our love can be made perfect. That's how we can find ourselves at a fullness or a complete being complete and being whole in Christ. That's how we can find true holiness and true righteousness is allowing God to live in us and through us unhindered. Unhindered go to 1st Corinthians 6 9 1st Corinthians 6 9 1st Corinthians 6 9 I really want to read verse 19 but I want to I believe the Lord is leading me to start in verse 9 so we'll just see what the Lord has to do in verse 9 Paul says to the church in Corinth, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Did you hear that? Did you read that? The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So I think the obvious is if you're living in unrighteousness, if you're an unrighteous being, Regardless of what you say with your mouth, Jesus said you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. How many of you are professing to know God, but in works you deny him? Titus 1.16. And in every work you're abominable, you're a reprobate. The scriptures, the Holy Spirit wants you to know that if you're living in unrighteousness, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he wants you to be so convinced of this that he says, be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves nor covetous nor drunkards nor revilers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God and such were some of you that's a past tense verb and such were some of you. Some of these Corinthians were filthy, unrighteous adulterers or unrighteous fornicators or idolaters or effeminate. They were homosexuals, drunkards, but such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the spirit of our God, you don't have to be unrighteous. You don't have to be a fornicator. You don't have to be effeminate. You don't have to be a drunkard. You don't have to be. You are because you want to be. But remember, remember Colossians chapter 1. Our God is a deliverer. And it's proof here that the Corinthians, Paul says, and such were some of you. These were men and women that Paul led to the Lord. This church was birthed through the ministry of Paul the Apostle. To such an extent that he said, I might might not be apostles to other, but I am to you guys. So he knew that these people were like that, but not like that anymore. That is salvation, beloved. That is salvation. You see how they were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the son of God. You see that they were redeemed. They were forgiven, and Christ was now living in them. Jump down to verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? So, our bodies, they're not ours no more. We've been purchased with the price. You're not your own. Your bodies belong to Christ, your members of your bodies belong to Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. That is still a command today. To those of you that are listening to me, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body and your spirit are God's. They're God's body, God's spirit, because they were purchased by the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And I do not advise you to take him back and claim them to be yours. Because all you want is forgiveness of sins and all you want is to know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. No, salvation happens here and now. We're saved from the power of being unrighteous, God-hating sinners. And we're saved unto God. And our spirits and our bodies are His, including our souls, are God's. For they've been purchased by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are now the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Which is in you. I want to drive that home so bad that if that you would examine yourself to see if Christ is really living in you. Are you really the temple of the Holy Ghost? Are you really experiencing the life of God in you, the power of God in you, being strengthened in your inner man by the very life of God that he has given to us through his Holy Spirit? Are you experiencing that? Are you experiencing a continual love for God and the things of God and a continual hatred for the things of this world? Are you living in light of eternity? Are you living in light of eternity? Are you living with eternity has a reality in your life now? We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I said this in the last message, and I believe it bears repeating. Someone say it again. Under the old covenant, they broke the letter. They sinned against the commands of God. Under the new covenant, we still sin against the commands of God, but we do we do something even far greater, and that is we sin against God in his own house. We sin against God in his own house. That's why James says in James 4.4, 4, such an amazing passage. Go to James 4.4. 4. James 4.4. Ye 4. adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not, that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture said in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he said, God resist the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Remember what I said. If we humbled ourselves. If we humble ourselves, there's no telling what God can do in us and through us. There is telling. It's what the New Testament scriptures say, what we've just been reading. That's what God can do in us and through us. If we humble ourselves and receive his grace. But what must we do? Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Don't you lift yourself up. Don't you lift yourself up. You let God lift you up. You let God lift you up. By the power of his life that he will give to you. You let God lift you up. You need to be afflicted if you're still continuing worldliness and ungodliness and fornication and drunkenness. And you're still doing drugs. You need to be afflicted. You need to mourn. You need to weep. You need to let your laughter be turned to mourning. And if you can't, then you need to cry out to God for him to afflict you with godly sorrow. That it may lead you to true repentance and true repentance will lead to true salvation. That you may have life that comes from God, glorious life that comes from God, beloved. But it will not come. It will not come if we're stiff arming him. It will not come if we're still walking in the vanity of a pride of our life. It will not come if we still desire worldliness and ungodliness and sinfulness. It will not come, beloved. It will not come. God desires you so much. God longs for you. And he's proven it by sending his son to die for you. And he's even went further by sending his spirit to convict you and try to convince you of the reality of judgment for your wickedness and your rebellion against him. And woe to all those false teachers that cover the land, that say all is well. All is well. God loves you. God loves you. God forgives you. God forgives you. When you die, you're going to go and spend eternity with him. God forbid that you will continue in your sin. When Jesus Christ shed his blood to purchase you from sin, from the world, from Satan, from darkness, from your own flesh. That he may have you as a prized possession unto himself. beloved listener i believe that god i believe that god has so burdened me with this message of the reality of what christianity is true christianity is christ in you christ in you and the evidence that christ is in you his righteousness his righteousness His holiness, his wholeness, his perfection, his perfect love. Don't sell yourself short. Don't stop. Don't stop until you have experienced the fullness of Christ. Don't stop until you have been filled with the fullness of God. Ephesians, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14 through verse 21, I implore you, spend the weekend on your knees praying through verse 14 through 21 of Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen.